0: Hey everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard and man does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these Before You Quit podcasts. My name is Mitch Schultz and I am your host. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry which provides encouragement and support to hurting pastors, people in ministry. I'm going to sit down today with a good friend of mine, Dr. and Pastor Reggie Screen or Reginald Screen to discuss race and social issues, social justice. It's going to be an honest conversation from two perspectives of two people trying to understand each other's heart and mind, Uh, a white person and a black person sitting down together and talking about really some of these hot button issues that are going on in our society today. Uh, you're going to find this to be a very honest and raw conversation. Uh, what I did is I asked some friends of mine, main, most of them pastors, to submit some questions. And I did share with Reggie early on here how many of us are, uh, are asking a lot of questions and even wondering what's being asked of us from the black community. Uh, so we felt like this is an opportunity to really just lay out where we're at, what we're thinking, uh, a helpful, very constructive conversation. And uh, so before I jump into this, a podcast that I'm calling A White and a Black Pastor Talk About Race and Social Justice, uh, let me introduce Reggie to you. He is a Air Force veteran. He's been in ministry for 29 years with the Christian Missionary Alliance. He currently serves as assistant district superintendent for the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, the South Atlantic district of the denomination. Uh, also, It's also uh, now called Alliance South. Uh, additionally, Reggie has served as Regional Church Planting Coordinator, and he is part of a, a director and founder of a nonprofit called 3L Cultural Intelligent, uh, Intelligence Group, uh, LLC. I will put that link up as well. That'll be a helpful resource for you. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump into that conversation right now. I think you will find this very helpful and challenging and a very necessary conversation. <music> All right. I have the privilege to have Reggie Screen, Dr. Reginald Screen. Uh, good to have you in this conversation, Reggie.
1: Good to be here, Mitch.
0: All right. So, a tough time we're living in right now, and we're titling this, uh, A White and a Black Pastor Talks Racism and Social Justice. And uh, you are a leader in the Christian Missionary Alliance. You work for the district. Uh, you are a black person yourself, so I know that the things that are happening in our culture today is uh, you know has a special place in your heart, a special burden and Part of the goal today is for us to understand that and As I mentioned before we hit record, uh, I think there 's also a need for uh, both sides to be understood as we seek to to navigate through this so we 're going to get into some really tough questions here, uh, but first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Reggie and, you know, your, your upbringing and, of course, maybe relative most to what is happening in culture today.
1: From Bainbridge, Georgia, Southwest Georgia. You probably know, I've heard of Bainbridge, Georgia from uh, uh, the advertisement on TV saying uh, country boy from uh, Southwest Georgia, Bainbridge, Georgia. His name is Kirby Smart.
2: Okay. Head coach of
1: the UGA, uh, University of Georgia football team. Gotcha. Good, good. I was raised in North I was raised on the Georgia-Florida line, actually 22 miles south of Bainbridge. I grew up, and so I uh, went to church in North Florida. I was saved in a Baptist church when I was about eight years old. And uh, from there, um, you know, raised in the church and went to the Air Force and got out. Went to Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church and was licensed and ordained and felt the Lord calling me to served of as a missionary to white people and that's an interesting statement i know for some um in in re- especially in terms of re- reconciliation
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. um and that sort of thing um so so that was on
0: that. that has been on your heart early on uh from the time that you became uh, a follower when i a of boy, Christ. i
1: couldn't figure out the dynamics of why as a boy we would grow going we had to we passed franklin baptist church with our neighbor went to that was all white
2: mm.
1: and went to mount hosea baptist church which is all black and i was always some sense of my conscious moments trying to figure out the dynamics of why we say one thing from a biblical perspective but demonstrate quite another
2: mm.
1: in pra- practically speaking so i couldn't wanted to figure out why all the pictures of jesus were white and uh look at people from the middle east and then look at jesus and i said it didn't look like that so I, you know i just i was just trying to figure it out uh why every angel had to be white why god the father that big strong person great beard picture of him sitting on the clouds in Mm -hmm. the sky why did he have to be white and so as a boy trying to figure it out, and so the Lord called me to uh, go to Central Burnett Alliance Church. So I went from a 8,000-member, 99.9% black church to an all-white church um, with Dan Hedinger and Mike Plunkett. Mm-hmm. And from there, the Lord lead, led me to Gainesville, Georgia to pastor uh, a church that had never had a white black member, let alone a black pastor. Mm-hmm. Which was um, McEver Road Alliance Church. It was known one time known as Gainesville Alliance Church, and uh, I think it had changed names a few times. So that's kind of my um, history in a, in the short and dirty of it.
0: Yeah. So you you pushed through a lot. Uh, what were describe what that was like? What were some of the hard things that you had to uh, to, to, to go through to get where you are now, because you, you are you are currently a, uh, a a staff member for the district of our denomination, you also yeah. have your doctorate. Uh, talk a little bit, maybe just briefly how hard it was to, uh, to, to to accomplish that
1: well, yeah, you know I found out real quick that. <clears throat> You you basically had to be learn the culture and pretty much put on the honorary white garb to have any kind of success hmm. in 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 the culture that I'm dealing in. Um, and uh, so I studied the culture well, learned the hymns, learned the choruses. I remember Dan her telling me one day, "Man, you it seemed like they ought to be studying hard, trying as hard as you to learn you your culture." and you were studying really hard and trying really hard to learn that culture. And I, mm-hmm. I think that was what it's about. That's what it has to be about. Yeah. I experienced some racism. I was some good old boys that didn't, uh, I would say more, more so uh, personal prejudice because mm-hmm. uh, racism has to idea deal with the system of power. And so um on the indiv- individual level, it was more prejudice and bigotry. I remember two old boys, good old boys that I would have, uh, uh, they're probably dead now. But I remember for first five years being in. Now, person, don't say missionary. that with
0: a smile on your face, Reggie.
1: No, no, I'm just <laughs> I'm, thinking I'm, about kidding.
0: I'm kidding. I'm
1: <laughs> kidding. I'm not talking about thinking about the, you know, hopefully they're with the Lord, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking about how I finally broke the stalemate. And so for about five years that I saw him, I would see him at district conferences. They would have a scowl on the face and, mm. you know, and they've never would speak. And so one day I just hemmed him up one I'm up in the bathroom and I just walked up to it and stuck out my hand. It scared, mm. scared him half to death. Yeah. I said, Hey, I'm Reggie Screen. I've been seeing you for five, six years and we've never spoken. I just want to introduce myself to you. And, and uh, of course he had Whoa. to extend, but, it was that yeah. sort of thing. Why, why do you
0: think, help us understand, what was in your mind that explained that kind of attitude towards you?
1: Uh, he's probably in his late 70s, 80s. Hmm.
2: And
1: so probably in his mind, I didn't belong where he belonged, where he was. Um, I just know that they, and they, they just never would speak. They hmm. spoke to everybody else, but they never would speak. I remember um being with Mike Plunkett uh and it was a church in um in uh Brookhaven that Mike was working with and uh not the previous two DSs not the previous DS not this DS or the previous DS the DS before that I won't call any names but I just I I I saw the game, how the game was played, and Mike was so excited that he he came to the DS and he said, "We had over a hundred and some people here the other night at Brookhaven, and 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 um and so many, of them, so many got saved." And the DS, didn't without a bat of an eyelash, he said, "Well, yeah, how many of them were white?" Oh wow! You know, wow. and so it, it just
0: what what kept it, you what kept you around? I mean, what why? Well, did you... I feel like
1: the Lord called me here. For two things, I mean, I fell in love with because I had never heard of the Alliance. I fell mm-hmm. in love with the the Christ life message. Christ mm-hmm. is my life, and uh, I I love what Simpson did back in Kentucky and and Thirteenth Street Presbyterian Church and it, the gospel and the fullness of gospel. The gospel used, you know, the Italians were the blacks of today
2: mm-hmm. back
1: then and. It didn't matter. The fullness of Christ called called him to reach the least of these, and to champion the least of these, and to and it was the overflow of that that led to missions and and that sort of deal. deal his experience with the Holy Spirit. So I felt like I was called to that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I thought I saw all three things that I'm called to do. What was if that I'm,
0: call? Was that sense of calling enough to to keep you from becoming angry? Uh, or maybe even better. Or did, how did you fight that? Uh, because you I've you're, dealt with you're,
1: this my whole life, man. Mm.
0: Well, I've what kept you? What, what kept you loving people through all of that?
1: I don't know. You know, I was just say it's the mm. love of God. I, my grandfather was a great example. I got angry a few times when he would be treated like uh, with disrespect. He was the greatest, yeah. He's the greatest man I know. And to see him disrespected by a lot of younger white people, I got angry at that when I was a boy and and said that I I never wanted that to happen with me. I never would tolerate that. But I saw how he dealt with people. And so he gave me this affirmation of the dignity of every human being. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, So, I I mean, like I I get pretty salty with some guys on Facebook right now, but it's never a, a brother that has a genuine answer. It's a brother that will posit himself like a Pharisee. Mm-hmm. And I'll take kind of the approach Jesus did. He'll, you know, I'll put a woe on him, or I'll, I'll put a, you know, I'll come back pretty hard, uh, not out of bitterness or saltiness or whatever. It's just I just love people. Um, I've I've been taught to love people, and the love it's the love of God in my heart. I think.
0: Mm. Well, let, let's let's go ahead and go there. You're referring to the current events and dialoguing with someone on Facebook. Yeah. uh what what is what is your greatest uh, i i first of all frame this and i I will frame it this way that uh you know asking you what makes you angry right now uh but but with that what are you most burdened about as you're uh you know as we're processing as believers and as you're processing as a christian leader uh you know navigating the 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 current events the reactions we're seeing uh, and then where this is going to lead is, is really just, uh, you know, having some, you know, laying out some hard questions that, that we in the white evangelical church are asking right now as we're trying to figure out what this means for us. But, but start with that. What is, what is your burden? What's in your heart? And even maybe talk about what, what's making you angry.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say the thing that gives me the most frustration would not be the Klu Klux Klan. The Ku Klux Klan is supposed to be what they're <laughs> supposed to be. They they hate black people. And, and it's not even the white supremacists and Richard Spencer are supposed to do that. Tony Evans, I once heard him say, the sinners are supposed to sin. The problem is the saints who are not supposed, who are not supposed to sin are often more sinful than the sinning sinners. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to, to summarize that is that my biggest if, uh, frustration is that from the white evangelical part just this has been consistent throughout the years it's it's cold it seems cold it seems careless as i can i can care less about your situation it it posits itself as naive i don't really know what's going on um and uh it's indifferent and it's has the like like of of empathy if any group should be um one that models compassion and empathy and and empathic listening and 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 careful forensic type investigation it should be our white evangelical brothers who've been given the tools to do so through education and research but also who who posit and put forth ideas of theology and the love of God, love of God and biblical um, um inerrancy and missions. You know what I'm saying? So if any group should be able to do it. It should be it should be Christian. So that that
2: okay.
0: That, All right. Well here here's where we're at yeah and so our, our our purpose here today is is to uh you mm-hmm. speak to the white evangelicals and, but yes. my role is going to be to present to you some of the questions we're having as we're seeking to understand mm-hmm. what's being asked of, of us. Mm-hmm. And, and the way I did this is I asked uh, four or five uh, guys, I think they were all pastors. One, one is not uh, to uh, supply. I didn't tell them a whole lot of what I was doing, just that I was interviewing mm-hmm. you. And uh, I don't think, I think maybe one knows you. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so they, these are, and my, my, role here is to be rather neutral. I mean, I I might come back with a question, maybe push back on something. Because one of the things I think we we need help with, and and maybe forgive me for putting it this way, you need help with is for for us to be able to say, hey, we're a little confused of what you're asking. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're a little concerned uh, that if we speak up in any way or ask questions, that there's kind of an underlying racist tone there. I even heard uh, someone on TV, say, I think it's someone a little bit more on the left that said, if you're not anti-racist, you're racist. So unless you're really out there in the forefront of this and and pushing hard and protesting, uh, anything shy of that, you know, you're a racist. Uh, so, I, I, you know, we're sort of left here wondering, okay, what are, we're tentative, we're unsure, we're gun-shy. Uh, so here's some questions that uh, I think will will help. Uh, us but i think maybe help you understand us if that,
1: let me if let me say sense. something before you say that too Absolutely. so people have going have a good understanding for me yeah. about me um i i normally i'm not i don't take a binary approach uh i'm not an either or i'm kind of a both and mm-hmm. i do think people are on a journey i think there are people who know what's going on for the most part and uh that's more enlightened and they don't care, but I think there are some people who the game has been run on them, too, as well, and they need to be mm-hmm. exposed and edu- get exposure and education so they can make informed decisions about what's going on. Um, another thing is that um, I, I, I uh, try to vote issues, even though I'm registered as a Republican. and been a Republican for the last 30-something years. Uh, every year I threaten to go independent because it seems to be out of step with a lot of what I believe, but most of my core convictions are conservative in nature, right? So mm-hmm. whether you talk about reproductive rights, uh, I'm more conservative in nature, whether you talk about fiscal responsibility, small business stuff, that sort of deal. So mm. so I just want to set the stage so somebody don't think, because what happens is this this binary deal going, either you're on the left or on the right. But some of us, are in the middle.
0: Yeah, that, that's helpful. That's helpful. Well, let's start with this. What do you Someone asked this question, okay. what do you think God is doing uh, through the events of the past six months? And, uh, you know, what is he trying to say to us as individuals, as a nation, or maybe as a planet? And then what I would add to that is how do you view what is happening today in light of Jesus's prophecy in Matthew twenty four twelve, where he talks about lawless, lawlessness will increase and most people's love will grow cold. Uh, so, yeah, what what's as, as uh, you know, who are we to, all you know? Sometimes we cannot understand what God is doing, but sure. as believers, we're grasping for this. You know, we we know Scripture has told us that in the last days there will be confusion, chaos, uncertainty. Christians are going to be challenged to understand what it means for them what their role is in, in this, how they should navigate this.
1: Yes. I think, uh, I think the Lord is right in the middle of this. This is a wonderful Thankfully. opportunity for the <laughs> church. It, this yeah. is a wonderful opportunity for the church. Mm-hmm. If we would we lose our life that, so we can get, gain it, it would be great for us. But if we're caught here trying to protect the system and protect our stuff, it's going to be a long day for us. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so we're called to be the new man, the beloved community is what we're called to be. Right, We are not that right now. So this is an opportunity. When the persecution happened back in, uh, you see in Acts 11 or whatever, you know the Lord's mandate was to go into all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. And um, we know in Matthew 29 and 28, he says to all people and, 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 and to all people groups, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I think there's, what, some almost 17,000 um, people groups now. Sixteen thousand seven hundred or something, I believe. We see that's the Lord's heart. You go all the way back to Genesis uh, twelve, right? When He talks to Abraham and gives him that commission, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's that's the name of my organization that I have. This for civil rights and for racial reconciliation It's called Three L Cultural Intelligence Group, and it says you saw those three L's that God gave Abraham to basically leave leverage and so he can love all people well for an opportunity as galatians says give give them christ so the lord is right in the midst of this right in the midst of it and so your second part of your question that has to do with uh lawlessness see i think that's a matter of perspective i think if you were born in the dormant roman days when they were hanging people on the side of the road and you had the smelly stench of Dead bodies and Caesar was God in people's eyesight, they would have said this this is that. If you brought those people in today's time, they would say this is wonderful. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a matter of perspective. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Incas and the uh, the Mayans and the Aztecs when they were the sun worship or mm-hmm. or you uh, and, and killing babies, right? Or if you get uh if you go back to my ancestors' days when when they were being brought over with chains around their necks or the women being raped mm. or that worked 18 hours and 16 hours in the field with no pay. And you brought them to today, they will say, oh, this is grand. They would call that lawlessness. So it's a matter of perspective in my mind.
0: Yeah, and even even for us as a nation, but closer to home, if you compare what's going on now to uh, integration and you know what was going on or segregation – Mm Uh, you know, I mean, how, how do you, so again, this is something that may be more prone to come from, from us on uh, who are white, uh, to say, you know, Hey, we're reacting to things that are going on in culture. Uh, you know, you'll probably hear this a lot. These are isolated incidences and, but, but the, the entire, not just the country's erupting, even London or England has had huge protests, uh, you know, France, I was watching, England,
1: Germany. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I was, I, you know, I'm one of the things I'm excited about right now, this is going to be, sound extremely unchristian, christian uh, but soccer is back, English soccer mm-hmm. is back, and I watched mm-hmm. the first game yesterday, and, and uh, all the jerseys uh, have, uh, you know, all uh, Black Lives Matter in the back mm-hmm. of them. So it's mm-hmm. been an amazing uh, mm-hmm. reaction to, again, what we would consider to be isolated events, Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on there? I mean, as best as you can, what, uh, and I, I would like to go back again to what, what God is saying through this. Uh, but I want to get your reaction to that first, cause that would help us. Cause I think there's a lot of people confused. Is that how, yeah. how, there's just this um, massive reaction to something that doesn't even pale in comparison to what was yeah, going could. on in the sixties.
1: Well, maybe it's kind of sort of you know people would say that uh you know jim crow uh was probably almost worse than slavery because at least slavery you know the the master had a vested interest in keeping you alive because of you were his property but in jim crow and Inmate leasing system for jaywalking, you can go and, and, and be hired out for 25 cents a day and you'll work there, and the car charges keep getting trumped up until you die, right? Mm. And you work in there, and so because now the slave master didn't have a vested interest in you, and neither did the government, you know. So, so it, again, it's a matter of perspective. Um, it's it's bad. I mean, I got my own personal experiences with the law, and every law person is not bad, right. I mean, but you could have a system. See, look at Caesar. Caesar and that system of Rome was tough, right? But there was a centurion uh, soldier there that had compassion for Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And, and so we need to d- delineate and distinguish between individual. See, there are four governments that show, are shown in the Bible in my mind. The, uh, I need to govern myself, self-government individual then there's family government i need to teach your children how right
2: Mm
1: -hmm. deuteronomy 6 right and then there is faith government israel in the old testament and then you see the church in the new testament and then there's a civil government and so we need to be able to delineate between the four of them and we have direct personal responsibility and impact in three of them right now It's much more of a much larger process um, for the fourth one. And in my mind, Mitch, white people have been socialized to run the system, right? Just like we are socializing capitalism and Russia and China, they are socializing communism. But somebody has to run the system. And this system works, it's three tier. So it's not just race, it's class. Race was created to keep class going, right? I mean, until the 1400s, Spanish Inquisition, and then on the 1600s, you didn't hear much about uh, white black, right? And so, mm-hmm. so, so, so it's more this this uh, uh, man. I tell you what, I call it later. Um, so it's this class system that 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 is happening here. And and so you have to be told certain things, and you've been socialized towards individualism. And so, so it could be five thousand black guys that get um, that get killed, and the average black white person will say, "Yeah, that's an individual act, right?" Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, Because you're socialized for individualism.
2: Okay, so so. uh, so yeah, so go ahead. Go ahead. Finish like
1: your thought. Like if I see a, a black person, part of our culture is if somebody comes in, a black dude comes in, let's say he got his uh, uh, pants hung, hung, hanging down like that, and I go, why is he acting like he's messing us up, man? You you mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's 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 when I see a black person and I meet his eyes, his eyes meet mine, it's like I see you, mm-hmm. right? And so, so, and I see them, so it's, it's more of a collective deal. Um, and, and so there's a system that's operating that if you let the numbers bear it out, you see, um, you know, some people use the numbers to say no. And then some numbers say yes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but personal experience says that I get treated much work, much differently than my white colleague gets treated
0: yeah in a and number
1: I, of ways
0: yeah and i and i I think you know back to when I was talking about this, one incident has created such an eruption of reaction uh I think they're reacting reacting not just to that incident but to everything that continues to go on that uh, you know is is apparently unjust uh, so let 's talk about someone else oh by the way i uh, back to what God is doing. Uh, through these events, my my son and I have uh, a lot of conversations about these sort of things, and uh, he's accustomed to, to me talking about how does the gospel address this. And uh, you know, again, this is rather simplistic to say this, and I I, I think I've got some follow up questions related to this. Uh, but as there is, you know, again, it's relative. It is relative to other periods in history, but every everything that's happening in culture is an opportunity for us as believers. Uh, to present the gospel, to react by the gospel, um, and where there is chaos and unsettledness, uh, particularly, and this is what I was talking to my son about, is, is you know, people, people need to know about Jesus during this time. And uh, they, they need to know who he is and that he he entered into a world uh, because it was messed up like this and, and he, he took on himself uh, that injustice. Uh, you know, so I, I'd like to get back to that in a little bit. Um, but I, I do want to, there was another question about this good segue to where you're talking about these injustices. We we hear a lot about social justice. In fact, before we hit record, you asked me how I would define social justice. And I was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I understand how other people use it. I, I don't know if I clearly understand. Um, but I, I know I'm hearing pastors and one of the questions that, that came up, and I don't know if this was in the original Uh, form or sheet that I gave you. Uh, But the question was, or the statement was, that social justice is is becoming the new gospel. So in other words, sin is racial inequality. The gospel is social justice. Uh, How do you respond to that?
1: I would ask them how they are defining the gospel, and they don't get to manipulate the words like they want to manipulate mm-hmm. the words.
0: Yeah. So well, again, we again, just to, just to be fair, Reggie, um, yeah. uh, part of this is just to let you know what people are thinking, what people sure, are saying. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, I'm not, so, and, and yeah. I'm not
1: angry about it any kind of way. I'm just, I'm no, just do we in. have to be true to the words. So <laughs> sure, let's look at sure. the, gospel. The, yeah. the gospel. The gospel. When I look at the gospel, it's the fullness of the gospel, right? And so... What was God's original intention? God's original intention, he created man. He placed man in the garden. Uh, He wanted man, he wanted to rule and reign in man, right? Through uh, him living in and through man. That's in the garden, right? Mm -hmm. So that's God's original intention. Secondly, we have the fall. Satan uh, deceived uh, the woman. The woman gave Adam to Adam, he took intentionally, and the world was plunged into sin. Some people call it total depravity. You know, and some people debate about total and all that. I don't want to get into all that, but we know the world is fallen and it's helpless and no one can save it, save God himself. And so God came in the person of a man uh, through the generation, stepped down through the generation, then the person of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on an old Roman's cross and he died for me. And and he rose again from the dead, and when he rose again from the dead, he said, "Listen," he says. Um, he told Mary, uh, uh, might have been mom, whichever one of the ladies. He said, "Don't touch me, for I must ascend to my Father and your Father, my God mm-hmm. and your mm-hmm. God." And mm-hmm. so when, and when when he got up, we got up. Paul says in Galatians sure. 20, "I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live." And Christ lives in me. Then he said, in the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Then he says something. Hmm. He says, now, I do not nullify, short-circuit, unplug the grace of God. For if right-standing righteousness could be gained by my performance, my human effort, Christ died needlessly. So you have a full redemption. You got original intention. We have the fall. We have redemption. Now he wants to do renewal through us. And that's the restoration of all things through the church. The heavens alike and the earth, demons and angels and people are looking at the demonstrative life of Christ as he continues his incarnation through the body of Christ. Right? Living out here and everywhere. Okay, so I know I'm a little bit preaching now, but I just want to set the stage of what the gospel is. So the gospel is a good news of the complete, completeness of Jesus Christ from original intention to renewal in the end. And that includes Isaiah 61 and Luke 4. A.B. Simpson said the whole gospel for the whole man. So that includes theological, psychological, Sociological, you understand, uh, Mm -hmm. eschatological, the whole nine, yards, whole kit, and caboodle. Soteriological, all the logicals you want to put in there. So, So social gospel, social justice. Justice has this idea of, it has two folds on it. One is rendering to everyone that which is due in an impartial way. So social justice, socially render to everybody what is due in an impartial way, and and I also had the side side of the second side of the quarter of the coin is do what is right and fair and just and equitable in every single case. So social justice, socially, don't be impartial and do what is right and in fair and just. And you want to know what black people are in arms about? From lending to housing to th- uh, school to church, everywhere it's been injustice. It's not been just, and it goes back. I mean, my goodness, King was murdered in 1968. But well, I'm 53. If I were four years younger, older, I would have been. Un- I would have been around at colored water fountains. Had to go around the back of the building to use the but. I mean, the bathroom. I couldn't sit in the seat. If I walked past you, I had to move out of your way. That's not a just society. We got black, the AME church came into being because uh, the, the, when people came to Christ in that day, the, the, the free people, they said, you might be able to be what's in heaven, but you can't sit in with these seats with us now, right? And so Charles Allen said, no, we can't do that. And they started their own church called African Methodist Episcopal Church. So it's been unjust from pillar to post, even the creation of the uh, Constitution of the United States. The Supreme Court justice said back in 1859, when he was sitting, he said the black man has no white rights that the white man is bound to respect. When the framers wrote the Constitution, he said they did not have you in mind. It's been unjust since the beginning and nobody's corrected it. You had a few situations like the civil rights deal, Right? That brought a little correction. They brought the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth amendment. Those were for black people to bring correction, but they had to give amendments to try to get this thing right. So
0: how would we you how war? would how would we you respond? Yeah. How would you respond to the statement that in uh, that we we will always live with injustice? There will always be uh, you know, a level of of confusion and chaos and lawlessness, and even again, you know, Christ's uh, you know prophetic statement that there will be you know lawlessness will increase and the hearts will will grow cold. Uh, what I'm hearing you say is that does not take away the the need for the church to seek for that that, that part of the gospel is uh, correcting what is wrong and and seeking justice for the oppressed.
1: Yeah. One day I'm going to die. Yeah, that don't mean I don't eat right. That don't mean I don't put on my seatbelt. That yeah. don't mean I don't lock my doors at night. Right. I do so is there I is there
0: is there a message to so as as black people talk to each other, uh, is there the message to of, of hope uh, of you know trust Christ? There, you know, we live in a world that's in, that's unjust and will continue to be. Uh, let's continue to to trust Christ to to lean on each other.
1: Um, that's been the message of of hope for Black people since from the beginning.
0: Such, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: because there, there's no way you could under, you could stand under that. Pressure.
0: You cannot survive without that. Yeah, yeah. See,
1: Miss, there has been what people don't understand is like there has been such trauma in in the Black family. Uh, I mean, I mean just trauma when, when you could, when the mask can come and get your daughter and your wife and you better not say anything or your son and sleep with them and, and produce offspring. You can, or he took your wife and, and, and made them with the son because you got large offspring. Nobody has ever corrected yeah. the, uh, brought any psychological help. You know, you got but one lady calls it post traumatic slave syndrome it's the mm-hmm. same symptoms of post traumatic stress syndrome
0: so you're saying that's been passed on to generation it's after generation it's
1: transgenerational okay so let's talk about sins let's talk about blessings.
0: yeah let's talk about the the other side of that the the culpability of the whites uh, to that, that that's been, seems what's said that that's been also inherited. We hear, Terry, this is another question someone came up with is we hear the words uh, white guilt or that whites should uh, evaluate their own hearts if if there's any, uh, you know, in, in a racism in, the, in them uh, or any way that they might be responsible. Uh, hidden racism is another term that's used. You, you use the term unconscious bias uh, help us understand this better, and here we're honing in. I, th- I think it's something that's really key, is what is being asked of us today, right now?
1: Okay, so first of all, everybody's prejudiced. You prejudge everybody. I'm prejudiced, you're prejudiced. There's no such thing as a pre- non-prejudiced pe- person. And people have certain bigotries, right? You know, We might not be to the point of George Jefferson and Archie Bunker, but we have some certain bigotries. But racism is a system. Racism is is prejudice and bigotry codified. Okay, and so um, and let's just put it like this right here. Uh, one guy said, "You're probably not white unless you could pick up the phone and dictate Wall Street." Right, and so again, whiteness is a is a social construct. Right, you you, you may manage the system, not even you know you have sins of omission and sins of commission. And so and so I think that's the same thing in um, in the whole racial na- dynamic. Some people are just doing things and going along and running the system they don't know. You know, they really don't understand what's going on. And so my deal is that I believe that there's such a thing a healthy guilt. I believe the Bible talks a bit that it says that he took our shame mm-hmm. upon him himself and the Jew we used to really double shame on a person because shame has the idea of damaged goods. Guilt has the idea of pointing you to something that's wrong. That if you see, yep, that's wrong, you can bring repentance to that. And so I, I'm not against black guilt or white guilt. I mean, I think if it's healthy, it's healthy. Someone used to say, "If the shoe fits, what? Wear it." So you only you know what's in your heart, and okay, I so know what's in my so, heart?
0: So as these these high profile incidences have happened, and and because I one of the things I listened to right away was the president of our denomination having a panel conversation. And one of the calls was that we should, uh, we should really evaluate our own hearts. And, uh, and let's say someone says, oh, yes, this incident that's high profile has really revealed to me that I have a tendency of, of uh, maybe making a judgment about someone when I see them. Um, you use the term creating the solution together. Um, yeah. so again, back to that question, what, what's being asked of us? How, how do, and this is a question someone brought up, but w- what are we repenting of? And also how do we do that? What would it take? It's probably throwing in too many questions mm-hmm. for the anger to go away
2: for
1: me.
0: No, no, um, no. I think that just, no, I, I, I don't think you're okay, angry. So what, I, what, I think what you're what burdened.
1: Would it be, <laughs> what would, so what, for, for, uh, justice, justice, a fair and equitable and right system that is impartial in the way it meets out resources, impartial in the way it meets out uh, uh, punishment and uh, uh, it's equal opportunity. You see, when people hear the word like white privilege, they get all off for that because white privilege doesn't have to do with the idea that you haven't worked hard. White privilege has to do with you didn't have to, ha- have to overcome the racial dynamic and obstacles to get where you were uh, right. or where you are. You, you understand what I'm saying, sure. So, sure. So we can learn the turns. What can you do? Be less defensive. Go on a listening campaign. Read a couple books that are outside your your little conservative genre, like because I noticed what happens is that if a book is not approved by a certain Uber conservative group or, or review then you want people some of my guys won't to read the book
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm leading um, a group of Presbyterians and some different people across the country um, through uh, a book club called uh, uh, the book is called White Fragility I told them it's mm-hmm. not theological in this approach it's sociological in this approach and the issue ain't to shame you the issue is to have a conversation the issue is to get you woke if you're not woke the issue is to have a good dialogue because see i feel like we need to ally you not beat you mm-hmm. it makes sense to you if you if your posture is one of the pharisees then we, we, we don't walk, we don't walk together anyway
2: mm-hmm.
1: but if you really want to really understand what's going on i feel like black people need to be be, be kingian uh, like martin was a king in our approach and practice nonviolence, which most pe- black people are willing to do, and uh, ally you to educate, expose and educate you to what really is happening.
0: All right. Another, another question someone asked here was, does a person have to repent for sins that they did not commit? Uh, and is there a biblical example of that? You know, for, for instance, does a, does a white person have to repent for racism or slavery that he himself did not commit?
1: So now we're talking again about the four different governments, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about the four different governments. And so now when we talk about church and, and national, so... Um, yeah, again, we're, we're speaking mainly
0: to the you know, white evangelical here.
1: Yes. And so we see Ezra identification repentance in Ezra 9. Verses 6 through 15, we see Daniel's identification repentance. He didn't do anything wrong in Daniel chapter uh, 1 and chapter 9. um, um, We see Isaiah repenting on, on behalf of all Israelites in Isaiah 6, 5. Jeremiah confessed the sins of his generation and his forefathers in Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 25. In chapter 14, verses 7 and verse 20, uh, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, which we repeat mm-hmm. a lot, God sure. says, you do four things, I'll do three, right? That didn't have like, this is happening right now. That's kind of like some stuff that's been coming along the pike for a, a while. Um, you know, um, Abraham talked about in Genesis fifteen six about the cup of the Amorites reaching its full measure, right? And so mm-hmm. that took a minute to do. Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew twenty-three that that the Pharisees they fill up. He said, so "Filled up the measure of the sins of your sin of your forefather. And so I can just go on and on and on mm-hmm. and on and on. And so yes, there is something called identification repentance that is, I think, um, that's good for us to to do.
0: Uh, so, so a church uh, is moved to do that to have a service where they have a kind of a solemn assembly, and and uh, you know, and maybe they talk about this, and maybe there's some testimonies of people who, uh, you know, uh, yeah. like yourself who've gone through this, um, re- and there's that repenting. What 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 is the outcome? What has happened? What has changed?
1: Oh, I think it's just a significant spiritual movement first. That opens up the ground for change to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, so it's posturing of humility, inviting God to work through yes. through the collective body. Okay, all right, that's good. That I I appreciate that, Reggie, and I, I love the the scriptures that uh, that you gave. Um, let me let me continue here because there's so many questions. Okay, so um, this is again a, a really raw question, and I'm I'm going to bring it up. Because it's just out there, and maybe these are things that are distracting from the main issue, um, but it could also be that, you know, getting past this allows us to focus on the main issue. And this is about just the broad. This is not about the church or white evangelicals, but just just generally what, uh, you know, people's reaction to what's happening in culture. But you've seen this, and I and obviously you saw it in what I sent you. But this person says the stats are clear. 53% of violent crimes committed by 7% of the population. 93% of blacks murdered are by other blacks. The abortion rate in black community is staggering. Over 70% black children born to single moms. And uh, here's the question. why Why don't we see... Uh, this passion of resistance placed on these things—are um, they not greater injustices to uh, you know perhaps what is right now the big story, and that's the you know the mistreatment by cops or mistreatment just generally by uh, d- towards black people.
2: Okay. Have fun. So with, have fun sometimes. with that one, Reggie. So, have
0: fun with that one. Yes.
1: <laughs> so here's the deal. You, for there's cause and effect. And we're always trying to answer the problem out here, but you can really, you have to go back to not the fruit level, but the root level. So you, you go, why? You go with the five whys. Why, 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 why? Why is this? Initially, I talked to you about the multi-generational trauma. I'm surprised more black people aren't killing. Mm. I'm surprised more black people aren't angry. I'm surprised most, most black people forgive at all. You take the deal that happened today over at the church in South Carolina. Right, I mean, I didn't see the white church at all come up and lock their arms and mourn with the with black folks. you know, one of mm-hmm. them was a state-centered, I believe, right um, it was just and so I'm surprised because of the trauma that's in, right the abuse that's happened, right of the the um the practices that are biased. I'm surprised. you see one thing a person's going to do. Like you take a male, let's take a a, a, a semi healthy black male. Let's say like my brother, my brother, Richard, fantastic. He's probably one of the be- he's probably the best of a lot. Best of a lot. Had one real big problem. He loved friends. Okay, so he always when he got in trouble, when he got kicked out of school, he was hanging out with a boy. He's a football player, good. Hang out with his friends, right? Got back to Albany, Georgia, start doing well uh uh, uh uh, marijuana and stuff like that. Selling marijuana. Roy, uh I forget who it was, had zero strikes and you're out. Bam, felony. So it took a bright boy, bright, bright, maybe again, maybe the best of the lot between all the brothers, and put a felony on his record. They shouldn't have been doing that. The penalty was so stiff on that. Put a felony on his record, and now he is. He's doing pretty good. He's working and what they're working hard, but but he's going to do three things. One, he's going to do what he's doing now, work hard, get a job. Or he's going to say, you know what? Screw the system. I can't work in the system. And he turns to a life of crime. Right. Or he's going to, he can't turn to public assistance because he probably can't get it because that's a felony. You see what I'm saying? And so Mm -hmm. the, the system is so jacked up. What you're getting is a manifestation. Now, that's no excuse to stay where we stay because you got to have personal responsibility, right? I always tell people, okay, it is what it is. I can put the excuse among parents until I get twenty. Then I got to find a way to work it out. And so, uh, yes, but I also want to say it's not binary again. It's not either or, right? We should fix. We should we should fix the 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 pathology of brokenness the unhealed post-traumatic slave syndrome. We should have mental health counselors. We should, we should do all that stuff, and we should fix the other broken parts of the system. Mm-hmm. So if I got high blood pressure or diabetes, which one do I fit, try to fix, right? It's not binary. I fix both of them. I go after both of them because both of them have, have the, the it has, it has impact on my life. Am I making sense
0: to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, what what I'm hearing is you're you're communicating to the black community uh you know two things. Uh you could you could blame them for this. Uh maybe there's some rationale for that, but you need to to work through this, push through it. So what is, what is the message then from black leaders like yourself to uh people like that who are like your brother? uh, on, on, you know, the raw end of the, of the deal, you know, the, 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 again, we see this with a criminal system. I agree with that. It's, it's definitely in, un, unjust. it's, it's imbalanced. Uh, you know, because you, you, again, you can do things, it's their fault, it's their fault, or, uh, yeah, that's true, but hey, this is what you need to do. What, what's the message? And particularly, how does it's the gospel, like, how does the gospel direct yes, the, the message?
1: Gospel- the gospel goes to Samaria, but goes to where the demoniac is, mm. right? Um, um, and and the gospel brings healing. I mean, when you look at mm. mental health, the church led the way in that initially. Yeah. Uh, when you look at, there will be you no know, black people wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for the sector of the Christian community that was that was white that became the abolitionist.
2: Mm, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and so. My dealer said, ally, ally, ally. Listen, get to know him. If you got to know my brother, he's probably the best of the best of the mm-hmm. of the best. I mean, tender hearted, family guy, loves, but he gonna have the tattoos on his arm now. You know, he's gonna have all this stuff. So you gotta don't judge him first, get to know him, and then figure out how you can take your privilege. What's your privilege? The opportunity to function in a place without having to overcome the obstacles of racial dynamics.
0: Yeah. Well, that's your the gospel. Privilege. It's loving It's loving your neighbor yes. and helping your neighbor. Yeah, that's good. Let me, yeah, I let me, love that. Let me I you, love that.
1: Yeah. Let me tell you about a man who hmm. uh, was a Christian, probably a deacon in his church. His name was Grady White. If I remember cor- cor- correctly, Grady was born the same month, the same day, day in the same year as my grandfather 1909 my bre- grandfather had a couple of hundred acres farm two or three hundred acres farm grady had probably a 1200 acre farm we used to have a party line grady was start one day my brother and i we were young and he we were probably five or six years old four or five grady stormed down and he was mad because he we not even get off the phone and he told him, "Roosevelt, you're gonna get these boy because i always wanted to kill me two little ends right now, uh-huh. this is this is a, this is my socialization. This is my coming up, right? Mm. So, Grady White, though, over the years, you start seeing Grady White do something different. Yeah, he used to love to fish the Flint River. Every Saturday, he'd come with a bucket of catfish and brim, give the Roosevelt. They became very, very, very good friends. Well, this is probably late seventies. Grady White said, I'm going to do something that I should have done a long time. He pulled my uncle, LeVon, and my grandfather, whom I call daddy, to, him, to himself and said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you, when you get ready to take your livestock to market, put them on my trailer. I want you, when you get ready to take your produce to market, I want you to put them in my wagon." They said, why is that? He said, because all these years, I've been getting twice as much as you've been getting. And I'm just tired of it. Mm-hmm. I want to I make a
2: change. Mm-hmm.
1: So you advocate. You, you, you see what I'm saying?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know who absolutely did
1: this yeah. Let me tell you who did this for me. When I first came to the Christian and Missionary Alliance uh, here in the South Atlantic District, I was the only piece of pepper in the room know what I mean by that right?
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Salt pepper euphemism.
0: Yep, I got it Reggie.
1: <laughs> okay and I had been licensed on a Dane and it was done thoroughly and properly and so I went up and I met with the guys and they said okay okay we got us a regular A.W. Toza here, is what I remember they saying to me. They <laughs> said, so what did you, you want to be and do? I said, well, I've always – I wanted to, I, th- I thought about I wanted to be in civil rights or something like that, uh, like my DeKeen. They said, oh, no, you don't want to do that, be that. Now I still, still want to be that, do you? Uh, and uh, <laughs> so it kind of threw me. Okay. They said, okay, I passed with flying colors. They said, but you need your 30 hours of Bible, 20 hours of Bible. So I was working full-time, um, working part-time at Central Burnett Alliance Church. And they were going to make me go to school to get the Bible. And I had a young family. I came back to Atlanta. I got a call from Jim back, the moderator of the LONCC. He said, Reggie, I'm convicted. What we did to you was not right. They should have sustained your ordination it's not right. I'm going to go back and advocate for you and I'm going to write this wrong. He said if you were spoke another language I, I said, I'm i sad to say, we would have put you in the intercultural dis, uh, ministries district and the only problem with that, there would be no resources and very little influence in the larger body. Jim Boback went the bat for me and saved me massively. They sustain mm. my automation.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I think when, when, again, this whole notion of, of evaluating my own heart and uh, is there any unconscious bias, you know, individuals, and I, I'm, I'm hearing this a lot from people that this, is, this has woken them up some, say, hey, I need to be looking for people that I can help. Uh, I mean, for me, one of the things I, I tend to do is just a, a small uh, you know, discipline on my part. If I see someone walking and it's obvious that they don't have a car and they're carrying groceries, I'm going to stop by and pick them up. And it it's it's something that I I believe it for one thing it opens up doors for conversation. Uh, but it's an it's an encouragement to that person. And so because I think one of the things Reggie that we're overwhelmed with is is when we're back to this question, what are you asking from us? Not you, but but more of the the black yeah. community, it's too overwhelming. It's like, well, I can't change the justice system. I can't, you know, I can't. And I, I love your idea of the, the four um, the, the structures of leadership, or I, I forget government that you laid out mm-hmm. earlier. But it's, that's great encouragement that, I mean, you've been a benefit of someone advocating for you. And, and we shouldn't, we should not minimize the importance of the small things that we can do. Uh, because, again, a lot of this seems hugely overwhelming to us. It's too big. And even for, you know, a church or even a denomination to try to change the the system, as it were, is, is too much. But, again, the gospel compels us to respond to those who are in front of us and, and to look for those who, who are needy and need help. Um, let me, again, just, just because of time here, let me move on. Another person wrote this, that it would be powerful— if someone from the black community, especially a known leader, uh, would stand before us and say, I forgive you for what you've done. So instead, I think their point there is, instead of demanding social justice, uh, their, their question is, wouldn't it go a long way to, for us to hear that we're, we're, we're forgiven by you? And let me quote here something that they wrote and have you respond to this, that the absence of forgiveness destroys relationships. It's impossible to live in the world and not offend someone. And that demands forgiveness. And when there is no forgiveness, there's, there is the mounting up of anger and offenses. How do you respond to that?
1: I don't think it's an unforg- unforgiveness problem at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's an abuse problem. And black people are just saying, I can no longer take the abuse. I'm not asking you to take my knapsack, my burden. I'm asking you, to help get this boulder off of me and so i don't know i mean you guys i'm sure you got some radical black guys that's angry but i and and i don't know men, most of my i mean the circles i'm in that nobody i mean walking around unforgiving i don't forget white people that that's just not the reality that's just not reality at all i i mean i don't know any of this if a white person man you know i'm just sorry for what was done, and I just want i mean and and i 've got seen this in my own particular heart. I just want you to forgive me, and that person's going to say no I'm not going to do that
2: mm-hmm.
1: and <laughs> just i just don't yeah. know that person
0: well again uh, appreciating the fact that i I believe that there are uh, again i uh, there's nothing specifically i 'm basing this, but uh i I think the reaction from the white uh maybe even the evangelical church is it seems like they're angry at us that we've not done enough and we should have been doing more and i think that's where that comes from is like okay if we if we have done something to you would you express your forgiveness to us and that there could be uh healing from that but at, at, i i love your perspective there that there isn't there doesn't seem to be that harboring of 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 unforgiveness um okay another question here sorry to move on too qu- quickly here i think well we- <laughs> let me say this
1: that yeah. the, again the yeah, anger is if there is anger the anger is every time I bring up an issue about something, mm-hmm. the Fox talking points come up as to mm-hmm. why it's not so.
0: Right, right. Okay, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Um, another question here. Um, someone mentioned, and I'll I'll kind of put my own thoughts into this as well, that life is hard. Uh, you know, you know my story, uh, uh, you know, cancer, three members of my family uh, having had cancer. I, I had a very hard childhood. Uh, life is not fair. Um, what do you do with that? That, again, for everybody, there's hardship. And in fact, one, one guy wrote this. He said, uh, I'm a Jew And we know something about being treated bad, and I myself endured, he says, a terrible childhood because of how I was treated for 15 years. Guess what? I'm not blaming people who who, uh, did that to me, and I'm not protesting constantly about anti-Semitic Gentiles. Um, How do you hear that? How do you you respond respond to that?
1: that? Yes, life is hard, and life is tough, and we all have personal responsibilities. But when there's a systemic problem that's well documented, well documented, that's not been corrected, the best attempts at correction we've had was the Civil Rights Bill, and um, and then you know before that you had the 13th, 14th, 15th um, Amendment. Those was, those were attempts to try to correct uh, a systemic problem. You know this is a real life monopoly game, and make no bones about it. Though this thing has spiritual and theological, uh, underpinnings, sure. uh, this discrimination and the racism has to do with class and, and has to do, has to do with money economics. And, um, as long as there is such an injustice in the system and disparities in the system that were a part of the original creation of the system, it's putting out exactly what it's supposed to be put out on how it, how it was how it was designed, then we'll have problems. Let me tell yeah. you what I'm talking about. So I think I mentioned earlier, or it may have been another, may have been another podcast.
0: Yeah, you and I did do another podcast by the way, about yes. two years ago. <laughs> yes,
1: Well, one hundred percent of the nation's resources, the nation's power, okay was handed lock, stock, and barrel into the dominant white society, period. The Supreme Court became the keeper of that. Go back and check the Supreme Court rulings. The white black man has no right that the white white man is bound to respect, right? And this has been in the system. If you check today and just did a forensic study of the economy today, you will see other money, other resources. You will still say 87% of the resources are still locked, stock, and barrel in the dominant white society. And so that's a problem. That's number one. Number two, when you look at Black people, at the eve of the Civil War, or or, or right after the Civil War, Black people had uh, owned about one half of 1% of the resources in the nation.
0: Okay, let me let me uh, again, I, I know we're I understand, I think we chatted a little bit about this towards the beginning, but let me because I, I can hear people saying it sounds like what you're calling for. And and so in in someone's mind perhaps they're hearing okay to Reggie, social justice is that we need to redistribute this. We need to make it right by seeing equity and I think you and I before we hit record and you asked me what I how I define social justice I talked about the difference as I've heard it between equality and equity that equity uh, con- uh has to factor in uh the the oppressed the disadvantaged so for equity to happen uh you you have to also consider what what has been deprived for you know decades or centuries um so again it uh, you know, it's, it's, it would sound, I think to, to people that to Reggie, okay, there's this injustice, the imbalance of power and money. What is the solution here? And again, how does the gospel, because well, again, well, I, as I, I, as as a question started here, life is unfair. It, it's, it's horribly unfair. It has been to me. And this, and the Jewish pastor uh is, is, this is personal to him, you know, and I think, I think to him, it's, it's like, okay, I, I've, I've had to battle this myself, but I've, I've embraced it. The gospel has helped me to embrace it. So speak to him here, yeah, um, yeah but, to, to so his pain to, and also to his confusion here on the sort of the, the, the difference in how his, his culture is responding to what he's seeing, the black community responding.
1: Well, well thank you very much again. And so what I'm trying to <laughs> do is point out a systemic problem. You know, we, we keep trying to take it personal. You see, uh, George Floyd was killed by a person and a system, right? And see, white people keep trying to take it personal, 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 individual, because that's how you've been culturalized, right? But it's bigger than personal. So what I'm trying to give you is the field that we're all operating in. Mm -hmm. And so, well, you got there's such poverty in the black people, people, and blacks kill so many, you know, 80 uh, something 90 something percent of black people kill black people you know and then gotta go out 83 percent of white people kill white people you kill people who well, you live in proximity to but how where are we living how do we get in there how do ghettos come to be what does red line play with it play it, you know it's a big system. yeah
0: yeah no that's fascinating i I agree yeah well,
1: you, you understand and so, oh
0: absolutely yes
1: there, there are, we, we, don't, we, we don't solve the problem at the root level. We solve it at the root level. And so when I'm laying down the stats, immediately there's a defense. So, so you're calling for socialism and in the, in the, for us to take and give back. No, what I'm, what I'm trying to establish first of all, before we try to find a solution, is to define the problem well. One third of it is defining the problem well, and then two thirds of how do we so we um we fix the problem
2: mm-hmm.
1: right and so um you know the Bible says, "He who stole let him steal no more right and uh you know there are also scriptures that deal to deal with people who took stuff st- something in the wrong way and how they are to mm-hmm. to 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 deal that so we're not deal with that, so we're not talking about some mystery or something that the scripture doesn't tell us how to deal with it. We just choose not to deal with it like that. But be that as a case, I'm trying, it may, I'm trying to lay out, Mitch, a case in point of a system that still uh, functions that, you know, that way um, in many ways. I was just reading something this morning about uh, the fair housing deal, right? And I'm, again, I'm trying to establish my point of a system. And it says like okay, and, 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 and it reads like this. So let's take about red. Talk about redlining. The average white person would say, "Hey, you know, Bob, Golly G, uh, we passed a law uh, in 1968 in the Fair Housing Act to to deal with redlining, right?" Well, fast forward 40 years, and in 2018, investigation by uh, the Center for Responsible Lending. Found that black applicants were turned away for loans at a significantly higher rate than whites in 48 of the United States cities. Right, and so <laughs> you know, the system is still um, unjust in many ways, and unjust, and there's injustice in many ways. So yeah, and I so and guy, I think
0: uh, I think everyone would agree with that, and and you're I don't know about
1: that. Well. Uh, that, that ain't what I see when I'm responding when I see what like what I see with many of my Caucasian brothers yeah. is like all things are equal now we uh, we elected the black president and we have a couple of black senators now what's the problem bud
0: yeah well the problem yeah.
1: is to the problem is listen uh fi- uh uh hundreds of years later there's still blacks. own still less than one yeah. percent of the, yeah, the United Yeah,
0: and and this is why this conversation is so helpful because it it it's uh, again one of my goals was to uh, hopefully you appreciate the perspective that we have and the mm-hmm. desire that we have to uh, to understand you know what it's been like for you and and um, and your family as well as your your culture, if I can use that term. Um, Reggie, this, how has, uh, I can imagine you've, when you talk about systems and, you know, historically how, you know, we are who we are today because of, uh, you know, th- the way things, have, the patterns through, through history, generations past, how, how has Ephesians 2 encouraged you? You know, because it does talk about, you know, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You used to live uh, when you followed the ways of this world, ruler of the kingdom, of the air spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient because you know, when you talk about these systems, it comes out of evil. It comes out of uh, sinful generations, um, and then it, it later, as you know, it, you know, we're Christ is is our peace, uh, who's broken down the dividing walls, and then later, as you know, it talks about uh, Jews and Gentiles reconciled. And I'd, I'd like to kind of steer this as we wrap up, just how that has encouraged you, again, how the gospel has given you. Perspective and hope, maybe a dose of realism as well as we talked about earlier. Uh, You know, there's as we strive. I love your analogy that uh, uh, you know, you know, you're going to die and go to heaven, but you still eat well. You know, Mm -hmm. we still we're Mm -hmm. still to do the best we can. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, Mm -hmm. just reflect on on how you have been encouraged by Ephesians too, Uh, and then the last. Let's wrap up with with me asking you where where do you feel like this is going? What are the next months and years going to look like?
1: Well you know let me i started off very naive thinking that people believe the bible christians mm-hmm. i thought they believe and i was very naive to think that when it says that we're all one in christ and then you know the new man and uh our citizenship you know colossians talked about that um and then i started pastoring a church in gainesville georgia and I found out that, that was that was kinda like the old guys in the past, right? That mm-hmm. would say to the to the former slaves, you we might be together in heaven, but we're not gonna be here on earth. And so there became a period of disillusionment and discouragement um as I was slugging uh, it out. I remember my um my coach asking me a question. He said, Reg, he said, You have the skills to have a very large black church. Are you in and, and you have the skills to have a decent sized white church, a smaller, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a mixed church? He said, because if you go multicultural, you would think it will be a shotgun approach, but it's much more like a rifle approach because there's a lot of people that don't want that, right?
0: Right. And right. so,
1: uh, just slugging it out for the last 25, 30 years, I mean, I was very encouraged by Mick Knoll, you know, coming into the office and um, um, he's the
0: district superintendent for yes. our denomination, this district. Yes. I, I I always tell people, Reggie, that my I have two listeners. One is Christian Missionary Alliance, the other one isn't. So sometimes we have to explain these terms and, and also people that we mention.
1: Yeah. So, he, he, you know, Mick has come in and the DEXCOM, which is the district executive co- uh, committee, which is the highest kind of. A legislative,
2: mm-hmm. uh, I mean, executive
1: body in the district, you know, it's more, it's, it's, it has more blacks, and uh, so right now, uh, you have a Haitian brother, Rob, Rob you have a, a, a medical doctor, black brother, myself, you have Hispanic, you got Asian, you got white, he's been intentional in doing something like that. So I've seen it lived out in the last 10 years, and that's brought me some encouragement. Um, I'm still somewhat very skeptical on, you know, when I see a lot of social media, the p- very people who are come against, uh, this whole idea of social justice would mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. a lot of our white Christian brothers, uh, brothers, you know, pastors yeah. and, and leaders. And they are most of them are 40 and over. I'm very encouraged that the younger generation, the younger pastors are much more, they have what we call when, when we. Uh, practice cultural intelligence you know there's something called what we call culture intelligence drive which they have a level of interest and intent um, and um, perseverance and they they are gaining confidence on how to communicate well across multicultural lines and live this out and they have a, uh, a what we call the second quadrant is Cq knowledge cultural intelligence knowledge where they have an understanding about how they're learning even more about how the cultures are dis- different and how to affirm the dignity of every human being. And then they're, they're getting to the third quadrant, which is called culture intelligence uh, uh, strategy, where they are uh, ability to bring strategies to move toward the beloved community like Martin Luther King talked about, right? And, and to take action and willing to adapt and, and not have one culture dominate something. So I'm encouraged mm-hmm with a younger generation that just says no we we see this in the bible and we're going to live this out instead of doing the theological uh tap dancing to in in yeah, that in our homogeneous. Yeah that's that's
0: that is encouraging. I agree with you. I I see that as well. So again Reggie how how has uh, again this was the tension the issue in in Ephesus Paul was bringing the gospel was bringing theology into this um, and he wasn 't saying this is a potential that there can be peace, and the two groups become one, destroying the barrier. Uh, he is stating a reality and and what you 're calling for is uh, I, you know, I love your emphasis like this is true in heaven, but it isn 't here i mean that 's that 's sad, uh, and mm-hmm. that comes out of individual uh, and and I, I agree with you collectively a, a sinful mm-hmm. Uh, approach or perspective. So so again how back back to Ephesians 2 how how has it encouraged you personally? What keeps you close to Christ in all of this? Cuz you you've talked a lot it's about frustration, you've talked a lot it's about frustration from the outside, you've talked about what you wish what people were getting but not getting. But let's Jesus and here yeah. Reggie's heart, what's going on there that J- keeps Jesus
1: you, loves me as I am.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Right. And awesome. Jesus never discriminates from me. Uh, uh, against me. Um, mm-hmm. He's the one that he doesn't say the poor you're going to always have with you and, mm-hmm. and then make that an excuse for not doing anything. Yeah, he, he still says, reached out to the poor. He yeah. said, Blessed. You know, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for I have come to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor, to the healed the brokenhearted, to mm-hmm. loose the bands and bounds of those who are stuck in prison right, in prison, and, and so I love Jesus, and and he's the God of equity, and uh, Ben Franklin was right, he said, I shudder to think when a God of justice will do to us for what we have done, mm. I'm paraphrasing, so he's a God of justice, and he hears the cry, so I am so encouraged about Jesus, and he's forming a body, and, and, and you know what? it must come to pass that we, we will sooner or later have to live in to what he wants because he yeah. always gets what he wants. Yeah. Well, your, your,
0: your voice to this is, is needed, Reggie. And, and it's been encouraging and uh, I, uh, it's just been really, you know, encouraging to me to be able to have a hard conversation together. Uh, and thank you for answering the questions that, that people submitted and uh and understanding that that this is where people are this is how they're viewing it and i think this uh, i believe will be very helpful uh to to all of us um any final thoughts here as you as we wrap up
1: yeah final thoughts one uh, back to my jewish brother if he were living in up, uh under a system like uh, that uh still will press like uh, they did in Germany. He wouldn't dare make that st- statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing with, with uh, you know the Egyptian days. Um, that's number number. That's that's number one. Number two, uh, the cow is not going back in the barn, right? What we're seeing is the beginning of a movement. You cannot explain it any other way. Um, a lot of my brothers can t- They can keep attacking the Black Lives Move. move black Lives Matter. Movement and forget what is really what really the, the conversation started on was black lives matter, right? Mm-hmm. Black people matter. If you want to put two on there, you could put black people matter too. I don't care how you say it, mm-hmm. but the killing, killing in the streets, you're not going to be able to explain it away by your stats, you're not going to be able to explain it away by just having a theological conversation. It's not going to be tolerated anymore by the young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just black people. It's millions and millions of white people as well across the world. So it's not going back in the box. If we as a church want to have credibility, we must do like they did in the days when the, Rome, when the plague hit Rome and it was less than 1% Christian. Everybody who was about that stuff, the aristocrats in Rome and all those people and people who had stuff, they ran away from the city. It was the Christians who ran into the city and risked life and limb. Many of them died it's mm. serving the people who the plague hit. And I believe somewhere it was the emperor said he, he, he was taken by the fact and the Christian's activity. It's going to be time for us, it's time now for us to quit running away from the social issues in the name of we have the pure gospel that just gets people to heaven and embrace the whole gospel for the whole man, start listening at what people say, ask God to break our hearts. What if your children were getting killed and murdered in the streets? What if that were your kids doing like that? I promise you, you will be broken over it. It will not be some cold, sterile um, conversation about it, man, or some excuse by why it's just. And so if we don't rush into the battle, we will lose our credibility and our influence in this culture with the young people. That's why I want to end that. Mm-hmm.
2: Because awesome. they're not going yeah.
1: back to the same thing.
2: Yeah, This is the yeah. greatest
1: opportunity in the world for the church to stand up listen get off of the donkey get off of the elephant get off of the democratic back get off of the republican back stop being disciples of cnn stop being disciples of fox open our bible ask god to break our heart on this deal and let's let's in an empathetic way bring about change to the culture Christ's way that's
0: my mm. word. Mm. Awesome. Okay. Reggie, thank you for taking the time uh to do this. Uh it's been helpful. And we will uh continue to pray that the the Lord Jesus uh you know helps all of us to to navigate through this and, and not forget what happened at the cross. And uh again, as you said, this is this is not about yeah. what happens in heaven, it's about what happens here now. Uh, so thank you. Appreciate it very much, my yeah, friend.
1: We are citizens now. Thank you for this oh. opportunity. And uh, people matter to God and they should mm-hmm. matter to mm-hmm. us. So, very everybody. Good. Very good. Bless you, man. Thank you.
0: Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. I would encourage you to share this with your friends, with your elders and your pastors. And I, I want to thank you again for listening uh, to this Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything that we've talked about today on the Before You Quit podcast, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged, be courageous, because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.